Buongiorno Bianconeri, welcome back to the All UV Cast channel. All right, we are going to discuss, of course, the aftermath of the 3-3 draw with Atalanta. And as usual and as per during Juventus matches, fans' opinions are all over the map. We are going to tackle it all, and that comes down to the very performance and it comes down to uh, some of our players, and we're going to tackle all of it. I got Omar uh, that's going to rock this show with me. How are you doing, my man? All good. A bit disappointed, but all good. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to get to all that. Uh, we're going to address everybody in the live chat that's already here. Just want to get some housekeeping out of the way. If you're tuning into this on your audio outlets, head over to the YouTube channel and subscribe to the channel, all right? That's where you get all the extras. And as announced, later on this week, on Friday, we are going to have Romeo Agresti with us live, okay? And that's going to be an opportunity for all of you to get your questions in directly to Romeo, all right? Now, um, the other thing is... Um, Follow us. Follow us on Twitter. These guys do a great job, Omar and Lou, especially um, on the news, keeping you up to date on everything. Okay, so make sure you head over to our Twitter and follow us there. Now, shall we get into this match, Omar? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get into it. So we're going to tackle some of the news first before we get right into that one okay a little bit of news rocking this morning we'll say what's up to everybody jeremiah saying hey guys uva is the face of syria no prestige without uva we will prevail in the face of injustice just want to start off the live with a strong statement there you go uh bob yoga sell ciao ajc yes sports at uva always thanks for today's gathering absolutely cj saying the stadium looked tapped empty but the crowd was loud coming through the tv really need the new management to bring back flags and drums and just the general atmosphere all right buongiorno tutti from joe cappuccino michael razzo or say you missed the other videos yesterday because he was fishing i hope the fishing was good my friend we played decent but our stadium atmosphere needs huge work now all right well well let's get into it let's get into it so news not a whole lot breaking out today there's more rumblings going on with the investigation and everything we are going to talk a little bit about uh we don't usually bring up the other team's uh managers words and everything like that but what gasparini said kind of echoed what i have been saying over the past few days so we're going to tackle that towards the end of the match recap all right but the news yeah, it's just a lot more of rumors of potential uh, further penalties and everything like that. But you do have some advocates for Juventus and you do have some lawyers that are coming out. A sports lawyer of 40 plus years coming out saying he's never seen anything like it and just how fast it kind of turned and went down. And one going as far to say it was almost like uh, an execution summary uh, with no pushback uh, allowed or fight back. So, again, these rumblings are going to continue on. What I don't like is how long they plan on letting this thing go before you actually start getting the final answers. Now, apparently, the reason that uh, Juventus was hit with this 15-point penalty is going to be coming out before January 30th now, so we wait to see what these details are. All right. Um, but, again, we wait and see. McKinney. Arsenal apparently 
potentially going to try to make an offer for Weston McKinney. McKinney, it's been all right in that right wing back position. I think it must be set. Omar. Yeah, I was positively impressed with him. In... Yeah, on one hand, yeah, I was impressed. On the other hand, we considered more goals in the past two games than we did all season uh, in the league. But I felt like he was good, like he adapted pretty quickly. He offers something that was kind of missing there so, at times, not all game long. But it's kind of overshadowed by the amount of goals we considered. Nevertheless, he was fine. Yeah, yeah. So Arsenal comes in. Let's say they come in, they make an offer. Um, Quadrado did get some minutes in this one on his return. We will talk about that as we get to uh, the match recap <laughs> and everything. But uh, an offer comes in. Let's say thirty million. Do you move McKenny this window, Omar? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Thirty million. Come on. The the first rumor was twenty five, but that was the same price for Kiwior, which they bought from Spezia, and you know he still has some experience, World Cup experience, uh, Champions League experience. He's not that young. He's close to his prime. I believe he's worth more. Thirty. Thirty should be fine. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, you know, again, it's a makeshift position where he has been better than at his regular position for us. And it's not enough to uh, stop the sale, in my opinion. Um, Quadrado, when he came back on, though, was so, so Mm -hmm. frustrating. So, so frustrating yesterday. Um, We get into that. We get into that. Outside of that, really on the news front, rather quiet, everybody. Rather quiet, everybody, uh, on this one. Uh, other good positives for Monza, which is uh, going to be this upcoming Sunday. Pogba and Vlaovic should be on that squad list. All right. Whether they start or not, we'll have to wait uh, further on in the week, but they're coming back. And I fail, fail to believe that there won't be a major impact. Um, you know, we could take a lot of positives even out of a draw that felt a little nasty for us yesterday. That draw felt a little nasty, especially that 10 minutes at the start of the second half uh, that Juve just came out of the tunnel absolutely flat. And um, some crucial errors that uh, cost us. Actually, all of the goals we allowed were critical errors on our part. Um, and Atalanta punished us. But overall, I thought Juve actually played a good game. If you look at our midfield and what's going on in there, especially Fagioli, Fagioli had an incredible match. I fail to believe that Pogba doesn't land way more of the passes we were missing yesterday when our guys were making runs, were stretching Atalanta at the back and trying to take advantage of uh, the counters. Man, Pogba is his passing and his range is going to be extremely welcomed. And uh, there was missed passes all over the place yesterday. They could not get the weight right when they tried to hurt Atalanta, and those opportunities were a plenty. But overall, I was actually pleased with uh, the game we played. YFG has an interesting comment here, which we are going to get to at the end of our match. But I just want to let you know, YFG, I see you. And we are going to talk about this. YFG says yesterday he realized something, and that's that Juve fans can't be pleased, and they're ungrateful. 
He continues, we played attacking ball yesterday and people were mad because we didn't win. But when we play ugly ball and win, they shit on Allegri and the team for the ugly ball. It's mad. We are definitely going to tackle that one, uh, my friend. And uh, well, Omar, what do you think? Should we just get into it now or wait until uh, post-match? No, no, we can go into it. Okay, no well, let's get into it. How do, you, do, you, do you agree? Do you disagree with his statement there? Yeah, it's it's kind of obvious. Like it's basic human nature. Every time you fall, there's those people who will help you up, and people will tell you, "See, I told you to tie your shoes." And that's kind of where it balances out. Some people just like pointing out the mistakes that led to a certain situation, and others want to want to help get out of the situation and support. And that transpires into football, into every element of life. So. It's just human nature. It's nothing weird. It's always been like that, and it's like that for every football team in the world. Like I usually get into some other um, Twitter conversations with other fans, and it's exactly the same. Some will hype whoever they like and what they think is right, and others will just say what they think is right, which is the opposite. So uh, conversation is almost non-existent. It's basically just people spewing out what they think is right. And it happens everywhere. It's nothing special to you, but frustrating just like any other time it happens. Yeah, it's um, it's all about uh, the person's uh, perception and their personal opinion and how they see things and suiting their narrative, right? Um, I try to do my best, uh, especially here through uh, the channel and whatnot, to try and remain open to all angles and all possibilities and whatnot despite my personal feelings and whatnot and i've tried to do that the most with max allegri and um because you know i'm i'm not a fan of that style of football um i would like to see something a little bit more attack minded and oriented and whatnot but i've always you know as of late especially i've said uh, what he's had to go through this second season is crazy. And the fact that we've turned things around uh, quite a bit already, and now we have another gut punch to try and deal with, it's a lot to take on. And um, I'm not so sure that any of these other high-priced big managers or whatever deal with it, to be honest. Um, we hear excuses from a lot of top managers out there for a hell of a lot less. And here is this guy taking every single punch in stride and moving on. So I think if there's something, uh, you know, to give Max some credit for is that he's kind of done with the excuses. And uh, at the start of the year, I was a little frustrated with him continuously talking about the injuries when we're getting outplayed by the likes of, you know, uh, Monza and uh, Sampdoria that's pretty weak uh, this season and everything. I was getting frustrated and I didn't want to hear about the injuries because I don't believe you need those key guys based on our roster to play better against those teams. We're not even talking about getting results. It's just simply playing good ball. So that frustrated me. But now in the face of all this, and there has been almost this shift in max, would you agree Omar in him yeah, starting yeah. to take on a little bit more accountability and kind of moving forward? Yeah, I think he had like a different team. Uh, in the past, in his first tenure, and he thought like 
addressing everything the same way because they he did have a lot of you know guys who took responsibility on themselves so we didn't have to do it for them and now he has this team of youngsters who don't know how to do it already and at some certain point on the season he figured it out that he needs to act a bit differently towards the team and while talking to the press and stuff and that's what we're seeing now which is evolving and learning so you can't fault him for that yeah now I see the, I see you guys in the chat okay um, I, we're gonna get to all this I see the discussions about Danilo I see Miretti um, uh, Fajoli uh, Locatelli we're gonna get to all of that okay we're just gonna quickly run through the actual match some of the highlights and talking points and then we'll get into all these players things okay um, and uh, Michael Razo asking about the refs and some of the calls. Let's uh, we'll we'll talk about it. We'll definitely talk about uh, these opportunities. Okay, so the starting lineup we get is uh, pretty much as anticipated. Okay, you've got uh, Chesney, Danilo, Bremer, Sandro, Kenny, Fajoli, Locatelli, Rabio, Kostic, Di Maria, and Keane. Okay, or oh, sorry, Milik, Milik, not Keane. So as anticipated. That starting lineup, um, we talked about it, uh, Mashley. I, I actually had no problem with it. Um, McKinney's been serviceable as right wing back. Funny enough, better than when he's in as his regular central midfield position. And I talked a bit about it, and I think it's just maybe because it's much more straightforward from a role perspective and duties. And that's probably why he doesn't find himself lost positionally like he does in the central midfield spot. And uh, one of the things I noticed, if you look at this game with Fajoli in there, as opposed to when McKinney plays on that right side with our flanks there, Fajoli knows when. That's the big difference. Fajoli knew when. When he was supposed to stay and offer that pivot pass and when it was time to go. And that was the big difference that I noticed. It's just simple timing. McKenny, if you watch him and you go back and you watch those games, the second that player gets the ball, he's gone. And he bombs up there. But he's not even paying attention to what our striker's doing and what space that sprice, that uh, player's starting to occupy and starting to take. Fajoli's different. His head is always on a swivel. He always is looking, and that's the biggest difference that I notice, and that's but why. But we gotta say, there's a. I, I said at halftime that the right side is working perfectly, but there's another reason for it. Di Maria is a very quick thinker and reader of the game, and when he dictates the play, as opposed, let's say, what we had in the past few years, which is Quadrado, who takes hours to think what he wants to do. So Di Maria was kind of the catalyst, and they circled around him according to what he did. But he did mostly the right things and knew which avenue to take the team, uh, which is something we were lacking maybe since was Dybala was in form and played regularly. So that trio worked great, in my opinion. The other thing, too, is Milik was stretching Atalanta and keeping them honest at the back to those penetrating runs. That frees up just that little bit more space for Di Maria when he drops in, Fajoli when he presses forward. It just keeps them honest, and it just continues to kind of give that pushback to that line. Um, 
That's Milik, the type of that work. was a much better showing from Milik than his last outing, and that was good to see. That was a good, yeah. good and that good. was what that's one of the things uh, Dushan can learn from him how to do that, how to spread the play without touching the ball. Exactly. It's what you do off of the ball that uh, sometimes in certain circumstances can be much more important than what you're doing on it. And uh, yeah, that's where uh, Dushan can uh, definitely, definitely learn from him. Milik must be said, uh, we missed this little tidbit in the news that it appears that Juve is going to finalize uh, that move uh, for the additional 8 million uh, euros. And I don't think anybody should have a problem with that. Um, let's get to the highlights of this game. I'm going to quickly uh, rip through it. Um, you've got, uh, well, five minutes in and uh, we're down 1-0 and I'm just shaking my head. Uh, Locatelli with a misplaced uh, pass. Um, he kind of had split Di Maria and Milik was well beyond, um, but you could see them look at each other while this play is going on because they've intercepted the pass. And Milik's got his arms up uh, shouting, Di Maria's made a completely different run. And Locatelli's just uh, looking. So a complete miscue. But Atalanta jumps on it. They come right back at us. We're scrambling to try and get our uh, our uh, covers and whatnot. And uh, Boga ends up finding Lookman on the right. It seemed like nothing. Regardless of a, a cheap turnover, Still nothing, and still Chesney has got to make sure that doesn't go in and bail us out. That is an awful goal to concede at the start of a game. Yeah, like that's the you know the one oh one of goalkeeping when a ball comes straight at you, it's not going past you. Yeah, no matter where you stand. I, I it took me like two two seconds to realize that has gone in. I thought it went out. I, I could no not way. believe it. Like, I just could not believe it. You know, God bless his heart, Anthony. Uh, <laughs> God bless his heart, Anthony, uh, on our team here. But uh, he, he said, look, he goes eight yards out from the angle. He's like, that thing had some heat and it was moving. Don't try and sell me on this, Anthony, okay? Because I'm not buying what no, you're selling. No. That Important. has to be stopped. 1000 percent by Chesney. A brutal and cheap turnover from us sees us one nil down, but ultimately Chesney, that's that's a pretty easy one for us to uh to bail us out on. Okay, so you know let's shake it off and okay, a mistake, like don't let it ruin your entire game. Need yeah, to, you know, step yeah. up, especially when you're one of the older guys in the team. Now we carry on and we actually push back. We come back forward. A um, little bit of a collision at the top of the area as Milik makes a run and he's hot about getting that call. This is the first one where the arm kind of gets extended by the defender put out there, but the legs entangle. We've seen this one called at times. Your opinion, Omar, on that particular one. And do you think... Should have been a PK. I think it should have been, but just, you know, based on the foul, the reason I think that they didn't call the referee to check it is maybe because it's been like on the line of the box. Maybe they looked yeah. at it and thought it was outside so they can't intervene. But a foul, definitely a foul. Yeah, I was, you know, all I could say is that on live 
view, it looked like Milik went down very easy. When you start looking at some of the other angles and they show you those replays, the arm of that defender does come in front of him. There is the tug, but the legs, the legs that encounter, you've got to be in control by rule. But I think you're right. I think it might have been for them too close on the line or whatnot, and maybe didn't call him to look at it. Um, is what it is. Yeah, we but, carry but on. It's a weird case to not go check if it's yeah, in the area. yeah. I mean, at least take a look. But yeah. regardless, twenty third minute. Locatelli steps up. This was something I noticed from him yesterday. Very, very willing, very, very active and getting forward, getting in and around the area. Drives forward. He ends up getting challenged and losing it. However, it falls at Fajoli's feet. Di Maria also pouncing. So we had two players pouncing on this loose ball. What do we do? Force a foul. Put teams under. Get the ball into the area. Ask questions. Foul. Funny enough, even though the ref was standing directly in front of it, doesn't call it. It gets reviewed. This one does get reviewed, and he barely looks at this thing, which I found hilarious considering he was staring right at the play when it was live that he didn't call it. But anyways, he goes over to the screen, looks at it immediately. There's uh, no touch on the ball. It's all leg that he gets, and uh, we get the PK. Di Maria steps up, and he makes no mistake. So we're equal, okay? And we're playing good. We After that goal we conceded, we were playing well. We started to find our rhythm. We started to push Atalanta back. The 34th minute, this is just absolutely beautiful, everybody. Um, this goal from start to finish is really something to appreciate, okay? Di Maria with the back end. What do we talk about? We talked about Fajoli, knowing when. Knowing when and when to attack that space, um, watching his forwards, watching what he needs to do. He attacks the space that's given, that's presented. Milik is occupying defenders out on the left side. Di Maria, a back heel, completely catching Joachim Mele off guard and flat-footed. Fajoli has the step on his mat, leads his mat. Fajoli, one quick look into the area. And he drops this thing. It's curling away from Demiral, who's running back. Demiral had to be substituted in as Palomino had an injury. So curling away from Demiral, he can't clear it. It falls pretty much money on the spot in front of Milik on his run. This finish is, he made it look so easy. And it is such a difficult finish. I yeah, can't stress your, that enough. And this was an local, unbelievable goal. Go to your local training ground and try try hitting that ball with your weak foot. Yeah. And put and putting it on, on goal. That's tremendous finishing. And finally, a um, goal that came out of a team play, good team move, movement were great. Everyone looked up, so who's running where? Finally, because in the last show, I said it's been a while when, since we've seen a goal that came out of just fluid play and, you know, tactical planning. And how good Di Maria is in tight spaces. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, that Amazing. goal was just everything about it was lovely. But that finish, my God, I can't stress that enough. Looks easy. It's his weak foot. But even if you don't factor in his weak foot, Hitting the ball, finish. 
right on that bounce the second it hits that turf. My God, that was incredible. And when you watch it, it's it's literally the spot he absolutely had to put it short side. There was no room there with where Musso was standing. Unbelievable finish. Fantastic. Juve yeah, takes I a 2-1 still... lead. We um, head in to halftime with the 2-1 lead, and I felt really good at halftime, and I loved our response after conceding, and I thought we were playing very, very good ball and moving it uh, well. I thought there was a lot of uh, crucial passes in the attacking third that we were missing that were kind of that last step, and there was some long ball opportunities to really stretch Atalanta where we just couldn't find the weight, but our energy was positive. Everything was positive. I liked it. Um, I was very happy at halftime. Omar, your thoughts at halftime? Uh, similar, like when we talk about the, the old Juve, you know, and we say that it's not necessarily beautiful play, but it's effective and green tie and everything. That's what I saw after we considered the goal. There's the question why we can't do that all the time, but they were just, you know, everywhere, pushing, drawing fouls, and just being aggressive in taking the ball, not giving Atalanta an inch of space. That's like the type of play we want to do. I don't care about beautiful football. I care about sacrifice and playing up to the level. Atalanta are a great team, and they couldn't cope after that goal. You were, yeah. were on their throats all game. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was a great way to finish that uh, half and um, go into the second one. Second one, I was doing the watch along, of course. Uh, thank you to everybody that was with us for the watch along. It's those things are uh, amazing and a lot of fun. The um, everybody felt the same. Um, good, good outing in the first half to come away with uh, the two one lead. Maybe hard done by on uh, a couple oh. occasions there with Milik in the area. One point. The left side was pretty dead. I the left side was pretty dead. But we'll, we needed that Chiesa there. we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that as we get later. Kostic will come up in player performances, I'm sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, we just wanted that same energy, that same drive, go out and kill the game. Unfortunately for us, it couldn't have gone worse as far as the opposite direction goes because we were completely flat out of the tunnel. I don't know what the hell happened there. But we were asleep at the wheel to start the second half. And in a matter of uh, less than uh, 10 minutes, we have conceded to absolutely brutal start to the second half. 46th minute, Danilo with a very, very bad giveaway. Um, they have end up finding Lookman, who slots it over to Yoki Mele. So not only did we give uh, the turnover up, but we lost our marks the same play and melee is allowed to uh, find space in behind our line lookman finds him and he slots home so we're level at two six minutes later six minutes later bolga working the left side gets a cross in and sandro it was like watching day one of defending out there he was nowhere near challenging Lookman on that one. Nowhere near it. And knew nothing about it. And it's wild to me. Absolutely wild to me. If you're watching what's going on on the left side, the immediate threat is a cross. Be ready for a cross. 
and just get tight to your man and just watch where he's going to go is Lookman starts going in backing away from the goal line and Sandro can't even keep up with him. He doesn't even contest him. This is a free header from Lookman when they're in our final third and you can see that the buildup is he's trying to beat Danilo to get that cross in. And Sandro is like knows nothing about this. That was very, very poor defending. Um, Omar? Yeah, that's the frustrating thing about this game. It didn't feel like we were bad defensively. Mostly we were good. It's just those lapses in concentration, one bad pass, and that's what Atalanta is known for. They, our team takes their chances and punish you for mistakes. And that's exactly what happened yesterday. Sandro, I mean, I, I think it's beginning to be a problem. Not Sandro, but even going back to the Napoli game. We considered like three of the five goals from crosses into the area which weren't marked properly and guys just got three headers. And uh, we considered more than one goal through set pieces this season, corners and stuff. Yeah. It's beginning to be an issue. Our marking in crossing is not good. And it's not like we have uh, you no know, short guys there who can't handle. These guys have great uh, yeah. head, head game. It's just positioning, something is off. And, and we'll talk about it way. because, and we're going to get to this. This will be one of the main topics we discuss post uh, the highlight reel and everything. But basically, you've got uh, this defense that up until this week had only allowed seven goals in the league. And now all of a sudden, you know, it's uh, blown wide open over the past uh, few matches. So something's got to change. What is it, like eight goals in two games or whatever? Nine, if you nine. consider uh, nine and three games, Monza. Yeah. yeah, nine goals in uh, three games. If you tie in uh, Monza there, so what's up? Well, we'll we'll tackle that one after. We'll carry on with this one. So we're down three two now, and uh, again, luckily, we uh, claw our way back. And this was uh, great to see as well. Um, has to be noted, Danilo putting his hand up after the melee goal with his giveaway. And uh, you could see him uh, upset and apologizing to his teammates and taking the, the brunt of that one. This was good to see because this uh, set piece, we win a set piece, again, driving forward, uh, asking questions, win a set piece, it, it, a free kick in a good spot. Di Maria looking the whole time like he's going to hit this one. And he just runs over and taps a little heel pass back and Danilo slaps this thing into the net on the ground. Absolutely love this. And love the celebration, love the reaction, love everything about it. And the rare instance that you see Max Allegri celebrate a goal. That was actually cool to see. And we talked about how this, it's symbolic of everything. It's symbolic of the moment. It's, it's symbolic of what Juve faces and everything. And hey, I don't know, man. Victim of the circumstances or what, but I'm starting to really push and like root and want to back max to be honest um because like i said facing that presser during this and being the guy that has to come out there and face the music on behalf of what others have kind of put you in that scenario and then of course just the nonsense the part of it that is not right man he's just taken so much i and I loved seeing 
that reaction out of him. And uh, I hope seeing your coach do that, it fuels everybody up and it should just fuel everybody up. And I've, I've always said, like, I need to see Max get into it way more. And even just the game, how we approached that game, how we played that game, it was a little bit different than what we're used to out of Max. Does this team take that next step? Does this team start to say, it's time to fucking push back. It's time to fight. It's time to go all out. Do the circumstances, does the 15-point deduction turn this team into somebody that starts playing on the throttle? Yeah, I got to say, you know, credit where it's due. Uh, when you have that sort of thing happen to your team, not most managers will just bounce the minute it happens. You know, Capello, you can say whatever you want about him and how great he was as a manager. The second Calciopoli happened, he was the first out the door. He didn't even consider helping. And sometimes you need someone like Max who can take everything in and say the right things and try to motivate the team and not someone who will start blaming everything and everyone and create more unuseless noise. And so might got a bit lucky there to have Max around because if he's gone after that 15 points deduction, that's it. The team is broken. No manager would pick them up. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see. It's a question we obviously don't have the answer to, and we'll, time will tell if all of a sudden this team, with the pressure that's on them and needing to get points, if we start getting after it way more and playing a little more risky. You could see in the play yesterday alone, a lot more opportunities at some risky passes were being taken and trying to break through and whatnot. But again, hey, I still remain strong. Okay. Wait until where the dust settles at the end of the season, make all decisions then or whatnot. But I'm just saying it's, it, it's nice to see Max get into it like that, especially with everything that's going on. All right. Everybody can remain whatever you think about Max's ball. Everybody knows where I stand about Max's ball, but listen, here's the thing. What if all of a sudden it changes? And what if all of a sudden a guy like Pogba comes back and we play with that attitude of yesterday where we get after it and all of a sudden these passes that some of these guys can't hit are being hit? And what if we all of a sudden we start punishing teams? We scored yeah. three goals yesterday, okay, and didn't win the game. That's strange for a Juventus side to That's score right. three goals and not win the game. Why did we not win? Because we got punished on two brutal opportunities that shouldn't have even come because they were cheap turnovers on our own. But again, hey. it was it, For a neutral fan, that was a great football match. It was a good watch, even for yeah. like a Juve fan. Like, I mean, it was good to see the team get after and, and, and go there. But again, I'm not saying... Everybody's got to chill out here in the chat because, like, he will never change and all that. Hey, never say never. I do believe he won't ever change. But what if, what I'm asking is, what if with a little bit of a quality upgrade, okay, and all of a sudden our game breakers and our impact guys start being the difference and start pushing and all of a sudden we do start to get a little more because the balance all shifted. The balance all shifted with the midfield. As soon as we re, uh, discovered, and even though it came through injury and whatnot, as soon as we discovered Rabio Locatelli Fagioli, 
things started to change. You start adding in pieces, Chiesa, Di Maria, Pogba's going to be the thing. How do you get Pogba in there? But that's another discussion. But you never, you just never know, okay? Never know. Now, the rest of the second half, Look, Chesney, as far as Atalanta goes, had to make one stop on a long drive that he handled comfortably. For us, Miretti had the game on his foot. Okay, that is the one that we're all going to be fired up about and we're all talked. I was pretty upset and Miretti comes into question. We're going to wrap up the game here. Ends 3-3 draw. We're going to talk. We've given our thoughts on the game overall and everything. Miretti and this chance this opportunity. Omar, share your thoughts on Moretti, this opportunity, his performances, and then I'm going to share mine. Yeah, I I won't judge him too harshly. I mean, that should go in, and probably a more experienced player will put that in the net. Um, it's fair to say that Darun got his foot to it before Moretti. Um, but when you enter to a game of, you know, that intensity and that speed, even to senior players, like even Chiesa had a bit of trouble, you know, setting into the rhythm of the game, not to mention Quadrado. So from a 19-year-old, yeah, it's it should have buried it, but I won't get too harsh on him. It can happen. You can, it, he's not a striker who learned how to take those chances. Bad miss. Could be better, but it will get better. He's 19. He's not the final product. You'll see more from him. And he might have a bit of, you know, lost a bit of confidence recently because he gets more criticism and the games get tougher. You have a situation gets tougher every day that goes by. It happens. Yeah. Frustrating, but it happens. He's um, now that particular opportunity. Okay. Not realizing how much time you have with a player on his back and whatnot. Uh, De Ruin was right behind him. That's happened to a lot of players. Moretti's not the first player that's, you know, uh, been caught by not understanding the time that he has and whatnot. He still manages to get the shot off, but it was so nonchalant and it was nowhere near where he needed to put that thing. Um, ideally, hindsight 2020. Take a stab at it with your off foot away from the defender that's on your shoulder and hit the damn thing. Um, don't worry about yeah. this finesse uh, crap and whatnot. Hit the damn thing. You've got a lot of net to shoot at from there. You got to find yeah. a way to find that thing in the back of the net. Now, as far as Moretti in general, I think everybody needs to relax, especially yesterday. Um, just so easy to just destroy somebody so quickly. He is 19 years old, all right? If we think back to the summer, I was caught off guard with how well he played coming out of the gate at the start of the season. And I said, maybe I got things wrong with Miretti because in the summer, my tune, and if you go back to all those shows, you'd see it. I said, Fajoli should not be the one loaned out when it was rumored that Miretti was going to be the one staying um, I said Fajoli should probably be the one to stay because he's had his minutes at Cremonese and whatnot and gotten a lot of minutes and evolved his game further, fine-tuned. Miretti should probably be the one out on loan. 
and get his go, and we should probably keep Rovella as well. Now, flash forward, here we are. Everyone's got to remember, he's 19 years old. He is 19 years old. Mistakes are going to happen. He's making naive mistakes that youngsters make. Some of his mistakes, I've seen experienced vets make too. But the thing with Moretti is too, he is being played as that trequartista that maybe, just maybe, isn't for him. And if we think back to when he was really good, putting in really good performances, he, he was at the Metzala role and not as this trequartista. So maybe, just maybe, that plays a part of it too. What do I think should happen? Miretti, I think, is definitely ahead of Juve next gen. But I think he's just not quite there for us. Um, he's okay in rotation and whatnot. But I would prefer he goes out on loan, sees starting minutes at a team that can hopefully evolve him. And it has to be a good choice, a right choice. Um because he's only 19. He's got time on his side, like Max Allegri said in the post-match uh, presser. He's got time on his side. I would like to see Moretti on loan, I think, and Rovella return, if I'm uh, talking about next season. I don't think this is a knock on Moretti whatsoever, but I don't think it would uh, do him right. He's ahead of Juve next gen, but maybe just not quite ready for the pressure. And if you look at him, Man, the contributions, they're not falling for him for us. And I think the longer it goes, the more damaging it is to him. So people are asking, might ask the question, isn't it damaging to him to go from Juve and then all of a sudden get uh, a loan out to another club to get minutes? I think it's more damaging if we keep going in this and he keeps not being able to find contributions and these things keep creeping up. The pressure, I think, is a bit much. Head over Get your minutes in you. Get your wits about you. Learn the pace and the speed and the tempo at which you have to play in this league. Get your bearings under you and then come back. That That's how I feel. Omar, what do you think? Yeah, it might happen. Remember, we have both uh, Hans, Nicolussi, Cavilla and Ranocchia out on loan. So Miretti might be the next in line. Uh, it's great. I see a lot of comparisons here to Pedri and stuff. Guys, this is it's not the same player. He's not as talented as Pedri. I think Pedri is now playing his third season in, you know, senior football. He plays for the national team. It's a completely different story. And it's not a case to say, yeah, that guy was good at that age, so that guy is not good enough. Everyone but the other thing, too, is here, like, what they're basically trying to get at is, because Dells is essentially saying, you either have it or you don't, in his opinion. So he's like, you either have it or you don't. Well, that's not necessarily the case. If you look at how many players started to excel in their careers at later years. Look at Tony at the age of 24, still riding the bus with his shoes on his shoulder to training in Serie C or something. And he went to Fiorentina at 25, 26, then to Bayern. Like some careers pick and pick up later. Uh, with the right system, the right team, places where you get more minutes. Having said that, I wouldn't have played uh, Miretti in that game. He wouldn't have been my substitution. I think that's where we got it wrong. If we were 3-1 up, it's a different story. I think the choice to play him was the wrong one. Um, but 
fail to settle into the game, it's fine, it happens. I would have been a lot more angry if Keen or Milik missed that chance. Yeah. Because they're strikers. They yeah. should bury that. That's uh, one they got to find. Again, it just it's it comes down to players. Also, if you want to tack in some of these other guys, they're they're playing in their natural position. Pedri's playing in their natural position, but also the grooming. This is also like an unfamiliar thing for uh, Italian sides and whatnot with these young talents and whatnot, and uh, getting in there. We already know we're way behind the eight ball when it comes to our young talents and getting them in there, getting their minutes. We can't absolutely destroy and roast these kids when they're getting their chances because then it's not going to help us overall try and catch up to the game when we're trying to do that. Um, these guys, like even Roberto Mancini, when he comes out and he say and he says that, uh, you know, um, in Italy, they're not getting their minutes. The Jude Bellinghams, wherever they go and whatnot, they get their minutes immediately. When things like this happen, we can't explode and still ask for the young guys to get minutes. You got to take these growing pains. You got to take them. You got to take these lumps. It is what it is. It sucks. He had the game on his foot. He didn't find it. You know what? Overall, he came into uh, the game as a sub too. Omar says he wouldn't have subbed him in. And uh, yeah, for me, the substitution that wasn't quite right is the fact that you took Fajoli out. Um, the Fajoli yeah. one. So if Quadrado's going to come in, that's fine. But McKenney doesn't need to stay in that game. And this is not a knock to McKenney and what he did afterwards uh, once Quadrado came on. But I don't take Fajoli out of that game. Not when he's having the game he's having and he's already got an assist uh, under his name. He was part of that drive into the area that got the PK called. I don't take him out of that game. But uh, again. Yeah, I would have probably played Paredes and pushed Lucatelli up to the Mitzalo yeah. role. And have him closer to goal. Yeah. Now, the comparisons to Fagioli and Miretti, again, like using Fagioli to shit on Miretti for me doesn't necessarily work. Again, Fagioli's a couple years older. Okay. Fagioli has also put in his time. Again, also most recently with Cremonese. That is a big difference to Juve Next Gen Ball where Miretti came directly from. This is why I say calm down, get this kid some minutes, uh, starting minutes, somewhere with less pressure, less intensity, just to build them up to the speed and tempo. You bring him back in a couple years, maybe even one year, depending how he does, and then if it still doesn't work out, you could still sell him and you still make money, and then it's going to get investigated. We move on to the next one. So... Let's get to um, performances in general from players. We're going to get uh, your man of the match, and then we're going to talk more. We talked about Moretti. We still want to get into Locatelli, Danilo, but man of the match. Omar, live chat. Who is your man of the match yesterday? Yeah, I'll go with the, with all the fans on this one. Fajoli takes it. Had a great game, especially for a youngster. Was certainly the difference maker. Second place, I'd give probably to Di Maria. And with a goal and assist, was a constant thorn in Atalanta's ass. And subbed on, okay, but for Jolly Man of the Match. Yeah. Number three, Archis Lucatelli probably worked his ass off. 
We're going to get to old Locatelli. A lot of shouts for uh, Di Maria and Fagioli. I would l probably also throw in Milik in there because he had a hell of a showing for yeah. himself, um, yeah. especially the last time we saw him uh, really again. Um, that's how it's been, and that's how it can be uh, with everybody at times. You're public enemy number one, and then all of a sudden you're uh, a hero. Uh, hell of a game from Milik. Um, Di Maria was great um he was great every time he touched the ball um you didn't know what was going to go down locatelli i thought put in a hell of a shift and he continues yeah. to get hate my man of the match it's got to go to fagioli okay um so i give it to fagioli but i think di maria and milik for me honorable mentions locatelli and storm the barn luca's already jumping in there fire away everybody don't you don't have to wait for storm the barn you can fire away as you wish um, I'll even throw out. I'll even throw out Bremer. I don't think the goals were at his fault. Maybe the second one because he was the one who disrupted the offside. But it happens when someone gives away the ball and cuts you off guard. Yeah. yeah. So look at uh, Bremer. He just didn't put a foot wrong all game. Didn't and he needed to wrong. after his showing yeah. against uh, Napoli. This was, uh, I said it uh, in the match day live. I said it on the watch along. My eyes are going to be on Bremer and his reaction. And he was, he was good. He was good. That's what I expected. Locatelli. Now Locatelli put in one hell of a shift. He continues to get hate. I still see people coming at me with this flop talk next to Locatelli. Omar, your thoughts on Manuel Locatelli and is he a flop? No. First of all, no. He's not a flop. Look, I like him. I like what he offers. He reminds me some of those guys I used to love and the way they play. It's not necessarily flashy or anything, but he gives 150% Every match, whether it goes right or wrong, uh, it feels like he's one of our leaders in some sort of way. The guy who marshals, because you don't have like a key figure in midfield. So I think that's, it has to be him. Uh, out of everyone, he seems like the one who has his spot guaranteed as long as he's healthy. He's playing that CDM role. I don't know, it just... I find it hard to hate guys who are playing well and want to be here, love the club, came here in spite of everything. I have a warm spot for them. I might be wrong and I get why people don't like him. Maybe they don't feel as related as I feel. Uh, yeah. But I have nothing against him. He had some poor showings. Okay, he won't be 100% perfect all game, every game. Locatelli, for me, is... Uh... Look, I think it just comes down to expectations because everything I hear from people is just, oh, I expected so much more. I expected so much more. I expected so much more. I think people put everything down to um, contributions, assists, goals, and whatnot, but that's never been Locatelli's thing. And I mean, yesterday... I saw Locatelli that hasn't been that active in and around the area like ever since he's come to uh, Juventus. And that's why I say, are we changing things up a bit? The interchange between 
Uh, Rabio, Locatelli, and Fagioli was on point yesterday. And the way they rotated in, at times it was Rabio up forward attacking. At times it was Fagioli up there. And at times Locatelli was in there. Sometimes it was all three of them. And it was wild to me because I'm like, holy Christ, like we've let all three of our midfielders get up that uh, that high. They The team went after it. Um, but Locatelli pushing forward in there, and he's not afraid to shoot. He had one. He tried to slice there. Uh, he sliced it too much. But um, way more driven and involved. But defensively, defensively, Locatelli is untouchable in our midfield. The work that he does defensively has a massive impact on this team. And very few are talking about it, in my opinion. Okay, yeah, so... I think I think a lot of are trying to compare him to what Pirlo did, but it's a completely different role. Defensively, Pirlo wasn't anything flashy. The guys around him worked their asses off. And that's type of a different midfield where the where Lucatelli does most of the yeah. work and the other guys are more in charge of distributing and coming out of press yeah. and stuff. It's true, because during Pirlo's time, he had two uh, unbelievable box-to-boxes that did a lot of work, and Pirlo was the, the controller after. He would pull the strings. But Locatelli's defensive work has a massive impact, and when he leaves games, you notice it. You notice it big time. That has just as much of an impact on this team as goals and assists do. Um, people just thinking he needs to have more influence on games. And I'm like, well, the influence comes through when you notice when he leaves and more often than not, when he leaves the pitch, we've caught ourselves saying it all the time. Omar, you notice when Loka leaves. Yeah. And I can maybe allude to, you know, something similar was probably Licksteiner. When Licksteiner didn't play or left the match, you instantly felt something is different. Uh, so maybe not a midfielder, but some guys just affect the match in, in a different way. And a lot of things are lacking. And I, I might give the example of uh, England, where England had this amazing uh, Lampard and Gerrard and Scholes, but none of them was willing to do that defensive work. They just they weren't that type of players. And England failed to play like an Owen Hargreaves who did exactly what Lucatelli is doing for Bayern, for Bayern and for Man United. So you need that guy. You need someone like that in the team. If you don't have true box-to-box midfielders who do that job, then it's up to the defensive midfielder to do it. Yeah. I just, uh, I'm not on this train right now on Locatelli. Um, there are many out there that are, but uh, again, I see what happens in the midfield when he's not in there. And for that alone, that's a big impact. So it doesn't show up on stat sheets or anything like that. But I'm telling you, he does a big, 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 big role and a hell of a lot of work for us um, yeah. in terms of the defensive output. Yeah, I, I just other and players he is that. don't he is like a def- defensive midfielder. Like that yeah. is Locatelli. Yeah, and Atasolo played in a two-man pivot and. You know, so you need someone who enjoys doing the dirty work. That's what I get from him. Yeah. Like most players don't like it. Pogba doesn't like the defending part of being a midfielder. Mandzukic did a lot of dirty work. And 
if you admire that and you need that, then Locatelli offers it to you yeah. at the moment. No problems with Locatelli. Not a flop, everybody. Cool the Jets. Manetti, cool the Jets. Locatelli, cool the Jets. Danilo. Danilo continues to come up. So obviously he makes the error yesterday, causes uh, the Atalanta's equalizing goal at 2-2. And then obviously uh, he gets the equalizer for us on the set piece job with Di Maria and then touches the crest. Great celebration, a lot of passion shown. And afterwards, his words, I loved it. He says, yeah, I made a mistake that, cost us and put uh, my team and all my teammates in a difficult uh, scenario and he's like I want to commend them for fighting through um, and battling through regardless and dude this like it, it's crazy to me like he's taking accountability that is what leadership is he's which taking... Sandro and Chesney didn't do for exactly the he, he, he's taking accountability He's taking the fault for why his team was put under and why they had to fight back. Um, said nothing about, could have obviously said something about all three of the goals being awful and from and involve other guys, but he didn't. He left it at his goal, his error. Continuing to say, which a, a lot of people are, that he is a problem for Juventus. I am not with that whatsoever. And what I will say is this. Okay, who outside of him is a leader on this team? Who outside of him would people say this is captain material right now at this moment? I would point him out, Locatelli. And Locatelli's getting a lot of people saying he is not captain material already. He's not at the age of being a captain yet, but I do think he has the mentality. Bonucci, I don't consider captain material. Uh, I'm sorry. And Perrin has that character. I will give Perrin the armband in certain matches, which I won't give it to Chesney. I don't think he's as good at commanding and driving forward and putting passion into the team. Yeah. Uh, other than that, Chiesa maybe. is our arguably our best player right now, but captain, I don't think so yet. I don't think so yet. Look at Delhi, not yet. Look, we want to point at problems and whatnot. Danilo is not one. Consistency, people want to talk about always making mistakes. Well, that's because I think a lot of people blow up a lot of minor mistakes that happen across all games and everything. And like he's constantly making mistakes. That is literally like try and find me another goal that he allowed this season, like off a direct error of his, like that one. It's hard to. It's hard to. He has been super consistent, extremely consistent. Not only that, but he's actually taking accountability. All right. He's actually and taking accountability. He's taking ownership. And the other thing is, why you might want to consider Bonucci as captain. The thing is, Bonucci's been pulled out of big games because his form was absolutely brutal. And then to factor onto it, he can't stay fit like Danilo anymore. Danilo's fitness is next level. And you got to be more lenient with defenders because if he doesn't do that mistake and you win the match, we, we're talking about him as, you know, man of the match. 
So defenders, they can be perfect for 90 minutes, one mistake, and bam, they ruin the game, and they're the flop of the match. The other and thing, it, it flips for strikers. Here's the big thing. Leadership and whatever, and what Juve needs right now, because everybody says he's not world-class, and Juve needs world-class players. Right now, at this moment in time, one of the biggest traits Juve needs is guys that have that dogfight in them. And Danilo has that. You yeah. see that. He has that dogfight in him. We need to stop with this Danilo hate. We have to stop with it. I'm not buying into it. Omar, are you buying into it? No, I, I don't get why. Someone who sacrifices everything and says the right things all the time, it takes responsibility. He was the first one to stand in front of the crowd and apologize when times were rough at the beginning of the season. He doesn't shy away from uh, critique or anything. He's just the type of guy you want in there. If you don't want that guy just because he make a mistake here and there or, or he's not as a big name as Cancelo or anything, then you don't deserve this guy and you'll get your Cancelo who, who will leave after one season. Yeah, the thing is, right again, I think it's just all relative to the time. Right now, the time. Juve needs guys that are going to be here for the cause and have exactly. that fight in. So right now, don't make problems that aren't there. Don't create problems that aren't there. Um, we need more guys that are going to be there and for the fight, especially when you see what's going to happen in this summer and who's going to be going. Like I've been saying over the past week, character guys. Juve always picked up character guys. Danilo, for me, is a flashback to some of those character guys we used to have. You used to look at a Juventus roster. You couldn't spot the leaders instantly. And there was a lot of guys you could have chose for leaders of that team because they all did it in their own way, but they were all strong characters. Danilo is a strong character. Look at the first season when he came to Juve and look what he's turned it into now. That's huge. That's a character guy. Juve needs to hit on their pickups. They need to bring in more character guys, guys that are going to be here for the fight and willing to do whatever it takes to succeed. This Juventus team over years started to sign guys that thought that they were just coming to Juventus and they would just win and that winning was just going to happen. No, you have to work your ass for it and you have to earn it. We need to instill that fight, that willingness to do everything that it takes to get that done. We and need yeah, the character guys. We talked about it, I think, a couple of days ago in one of the podcasts about uh, the, the management changing direction and who they're going to purchase and looking for those young guys. And I said, I want those guys with uh, strong mentality and characteristics. And, you know, you give credit to Napoli. Giovanni Di Lorenzo is one hell of a signing because yep. he's exactly that guy for them. Yeah, exactly. And he proved it for Italy in the way in the Euros when they won. He goes and... about his business quietly, gets his job done, does it at a very, very efficient rate. That's it. Down to fight. Those are the guys we need. Yeah. Yeah. We need character guys. So right now, I don't see. Danilo as a problem for Juventus. All right. Uh, no problem. We are going to talk briefly about 
some of the words, some of the state, the statement I made that kind of rivals are laughing at me for and kind of coming at me. But I'll tell you, I stand behind it. And Gasparini, after this match, with everything going on and asked about the point uh, deduction to Juventus and everything, and he simply said, it takes away credibility from the league. And what it's exactly what I was saying. When I said freeze the league, Anth clipped it, put it out there on Twitter, whatnot. I knew I was bare, I was uh, getting ready, prepared for what was going to come. And some of the Napoli fans for sure came at me. And I said, look, it is what it is. Take Juventus out of the equation. I don't care what you have. But there's another five teams that are going to be investigated. You're going to start taking more points away from your championship. From a league perspective, a league that's already miles behind, it looks bad. Gasparini literally coming out in the uh, presser. It takes away credibility from the championship when you deduct points and change rankings while it is still being played. Thank you, Gasparini, for actually being able to see something for what it is. Uh, Omar, your thoughts on this whole thing and my suggestion that Sirianis get their head out of their ass and actually deal with this immediately rather than delaying until April and have it all sorted and cleaned up quickly and immediately. Yeah, Gasparini is a winner, no doubt about it. Why is a winner? Because some believe that being the best means beating the best and not you know, deducting points from them and then winning the league on technicalities that have nothing to do with the play style. Some fans or managers or players would prefer the lucky draw in a Champions League uh, qualifiers and stuff to make it all the way to the final by having bad teams play against them or not up to their level. And some would want to beat all the big guns and make something to be proud of. We've beat this team and that team and that team and we won it in the end. How brilliant is that? How much more fun it is to say that. And then saying, yeah, we had Benfica and Club Rouge and we beat this one and made it to the final. And Gasparini is one of those guys. He's just, he wants to win against the best. He takes pride in it. And I can honestly respect that more than anything else. So Napoli beat all the best teams, have a competition that is worthy of the way you're playing. And I would clap when you win the Scudetto because you deserved it. Not because the other teams are being trialed for God knows what. Yeah. Now... We'll get into this. So the whole thing, and nobody needs to worry about me and how I conduct myself with uh, the Napoli fans on social media because I simply say, look, it comes down to this. I don't expect you guys to not want to have, to even care about an asterisk next to your championships because, yeah, you take them whenever the hell you can get them when you barely get them. So um, it is what it is. Um, They keep going back. Oh, cope with the 5-1. I said, hey. Nice trophy. Have you got the tattoo yet? Because you know uh, they they make a they make a meal out of that thing. For us, it's match week eighteen, a loss, big deal. We move on. Um, that's the difference. Now, let's get to. Um, well, we got a question in here from Bikram G. Also, why investigator has asked six months extension to investigate Osman deal because they know they might lose points and possible. Um, Scudetto, there's a lot of theories going on right now. And even with the Osman deal, they're saying that like the punishment could be minor in the fact that what they're really trying to pin on Juventus is that there's this circle of teams that Juventus was working with in order to 
cook the books or correct them. The whole thing with this, and here's the funny thing. Um, Luca here saying rival coaches and lawyers that are taking Juve's side makes me think they know deep down their club is not innocent. Listen, it's not even about being innocent or guilty when there are no actual rigid rules and regulations on player value. Inflating a value. Even if you say, oh yeah, you know what? We shouldn't do this, but we're going to do like those wiretaps. Yeah, you know, we shouldn't be, you know, he's probably not that price, but, you know, we'll do this and do that and make it work or whatever. That is just going against, like, almost to say it's going against the spirit of the Mercado, but it's not going against set-in-place rules. Value, their value, what they deem, like, market value, is common sense. Well, so what are you going to do? Are you going to go back forever? and deal with every single transfer that's been made to see if it's lining up with your common sense judgment of what a player's value is. The, the hilarious part about it is you're writing your books only to spend on another inflated player for Christ's sake. Everybody's screaming bloody murder. Now years later, after we sold uh, Odero who was highly sought after as a goalkeeper at the time for 20 million euros for fuck's sakes, we spent money. 40 million on Kulishevsky because he scored like eight goals. What the hell are we talking about here? It's all relative. It's all the same circle of teams. We've been spending money on inflated players for, from all teams. Like it's, it is what it is. The whole premise of everything is ridiculous. Where Juventus made a crucial and critical error is the fact that they found 32 million euros, which wasn't on the books. That is where they failed miserably. Those responsible need to face the penalties, and Juventus does as well. However, the penalty for that, again, by precedent, is not sporting, especially because Italy, I can't stress this enough, does not follow FFP rules, okay? They do not. So in UEFA... Yeah, that could come back to bite you. But in Italy, no. Fines. Fines and bans for those involved based on their own friggin' precedent. Okay? Yeah, and FFP does nothing to... Like, the rule is backwards. The team that makes the most money can spend the most money. So you're kind of burying the small teams who can't spend big to improve themselves. And the big teams get trialed for this type of stuff and have multiple eyes on them all the time because they can spend more. So it basically does nothing to balance the league and help uh, the smaller teams get better. And yeah. Juve were a big team that are now affected by FFP and Man City was trialed for it and uh, Paris Saint-Germain were trialed for it and Chelsea and Atletico Madrid and it only happens to bigger teams. So it's nothing special towards us. It's just shitty rule. Yeah. Now, moving on from that, the defense. We have to talk about the defense. Um, what's wrong? What's wrong with all of a sudden us that seven goals leading up to this past week and now in three games we've allowed nine? Omar, is there something wrong at the back? Are we just uh, making some errors here and there? Are you concerned about it? Do we need to change anything at the back? What are your thoughts with all of a sudden nine goals allowed in three games? There's definitely a problem. Like something is different. Something is not working. 
granted we've played against the top scoring teams in the league so it would have been tested eventually uh, we did beat Inter uh, and Lazio who are still in contention for top four so it wasn't all against mid-table and lower table teams uh, but even against the lower table teams you know we had a bit of luck like there were like two crossbars against uh, who was that Cremonese or Udinese I don't remember like we were a bit lucky in some of those games and could have easily conceded I think based on what I saw from Max in the previous two games he's starting to shift to a four-man back line instead of three something there isn't working properly maybe it's the lack of a natural another natural center back and just playing with two uh fullbacks pays dividends in the end yeah. um, but we do have a problem of marking and uh, this zonal marking thing doesn't work and we fail to deal with with both inside the box yeah so something needs to change in the past two games he did move to a 4-3-3 and we didn't concede while we were in the 4-3-3, so maybe it's the way to go because it also leaves Chiesa out of the starting lineup, and I don't want that. Yeah. I. It's tough to really pinpoint, and I mean, even if you look at these past three games, and yesterday, for instance, the goals that we allowed uh, directly came from errors. Errors, cheap possession, and cheap giveaways. If you look at Napoli, Napoli was a complete disaster. And Bremer played a game he'll probably never play that bad again in his career. Um, but one of the things that stands out to me, the three-man back really, really banks on that assistance out of the midfield. They really, really bank on that assistance out of the midfield. And even when we go to the four-man back line, when you see these shifts in-game that happen where all of a sudden it's that four-man back, Still, it banks on that midfield. And yesterday, our midfield goes forward. They were pushing forward quite a bit. What happens is you're starting to ask more of those guys in much more difficult to defend scenarios where they're on more 1v1s and they're more isolated. And then you start to see us look shaky. So our solidity through that eight game streak and everything that you were seeing and whatnot in it was like, it was solid as a unit, solid as a unit. But now we're starting to see like, especially in the past couple, if like we get advanced and that midfield kind of needs them to do their business a little more isolated, then you start to see the weaknesses in, you know, Sandro, especially but then you start to see them look a little bit shaky. So I don't know. There's shouts for going to a 4-3-3, but I'm not 100% sure on it, Omar. And I think uh, Lucas kind of got one of the Storm in the Barn questions coming in here with, if we stay with three men at the back, does Gatti start over Sandro? Uh, personally prefer 4-3-3 now and would start Gatti beside Bremer. What do you think about this whole thing and making this shift to 4-3-3? And you can address uh, Luca's storm the barn question. Uh, I partly agree with Luca because I think Danilo on the left side is not playing to his full potential. Like he's a different beast on the right, even in a three-man back or a four-man back. But it does look better. I mean, uh, Sandro is just blunder after blunder, which really cost us games. 
So yeah. we need to find a solution there. Hard for me to see Gatti and Bremer playing together in a two-man defense because I think once Bonucci is back, he'll he'll get his spot more often than not. Yeah. Um, but I do prefer the 4-3-3 with everyone coming back. Our our roster plays better to that uh, type of formation than a 3-5-2. Yeah. In my I, I say it's worth a shot. It's worth a shot. We could see what happens uh, right now. Maybe what was working at the time with the 3-5-2 starting to become a little shaky. You're starting to get some big players back. Give it a go. Give it a go. It's, it's good to have happens. it in your arsenal. Nothing bad with uh, being able to shift to a 3-5-2. But yeah. we, we moved to it because we had too many injuries and not enough players to bank on. So now that we do have the players... It might be different, and it might be different uh, for better and not for worse. Hey, I think there's no harm in trying. Basically, let's let's. There's no harm in trying. Now we have a question: uh, Would Danilo play as a center back or a right back? I'd personally put him on the left side, and I would use uh, Quad as right back. But Quadrado yesterday, when he came in, my word was that <laughs> bad. That was awful. His decisions. Um, You've got players pressing in the box. This guy wants to take a rip from the top of the corner of the area when he hasn't played in forever, and he skies it. Probably friggin' domed the guy who's selling beers in the uh, concourse with that shot. What what are we doing here? And and then it's like, and then when he's fifty yards out on the byline, he decides that's when he wants to put a quick cross in when they're set, and he's. Like 40 yards out by the side. No quad. Like when we have numbers in there and we're pressing them back, pinning them back, that's when you do it. His 1v1, which was like his claim to fame for all, it's gone. He can't beat um, some of the some of the softer guys, I would say, that he's facing. Um, he, he doesn't have it anymore to get by them. Um, so he's got to find contributions now in a different way he needs to adapt his game because that step is gone and that 1v1 prowess is gone so he needs to essentially adapt and he hasn't he hasn't adapted so that part really drives me crazy with quadrado and yesterday i think it was on full display would you agree with uh, that omar i told you in the group chat like he's been back for five minutes and i'm already sick of him i already want him on the bench and you know, we have said it before when he did play uh, that his defensive contribution is a different story and he is good on yeah. the defensive part. So if we do shift to a four-man back line, I have no problem with him playing right back because uh, there will be some Chiesa or Di Maria ahead of him which will do most of the heavy lifting in attack. But in the 3-5-2 when he should be the one, you know, helping to create, we saw yesterday how... Simple it can be when you have three guys who work great together and think fast. And Quadrado just yeah. slows up the pace, tries a lot on his own. Uh, like you said, he doesn't have the 1v1 anymore. So that's out the window. So what else does he have to offer? Just yeah. ridiculous shots from And it's coming to angles. an end. He's going to be taken off. But uh, it's still frustrating because we're going to need him down the stretch here. I mean, unless we want to stick 3-5-2 and you want to keep playing McKinney out there, then hey. 
fly at her, but uh, there's some issues there too. So it's it's tough. Dell's coming in here with uh, Storm Barn. Is Gatti better than Rugani? I would say no. He can be because he's still relatively young and he can improve. He, he still has a lot to learn. With defenders, it's always experience above everything. You can be a phenomenal defender without any physique or speed or nothing like Cannavaro or like Lisandro Martinez does for Man United now. Um, but Rugani at the moment is more experienced and barely any mistakes in the past two seasons where he played and, you know, he likes, he, he's fine with being the fourth or fifth CB. So not a lot to complain about, honestly. Yeah. For me, it's like automatic uh, reaction, uh, overreactionary take would be like, oh no, Yogani sucks. Like Gatti's better or whatever. But honest take, Gatti will be better than Rugani. But as of right now, based on last season and his stints when he does get the minutes uh, dating back through all throughout last season, Rugani's been reliable and he's been uh, safe and just fine to play there. And he looks more comfortable than he ever has uh, playing. So as of right now, Rugani's a bit more reliable than Gatti. But um, Gatti you know? overall, long term, will be a better defender than Rugani, in my opinion. You know you know what comes to mind? Remember that movie with Owen Wilson and don't remember who, when they decide to go celebrate for seven days and then someone teaches them the, the medium hot girl goes out with girls that don't look as good as her to make her look better. <laughs> so like when Rugani played among Chiellini, Barzali, Bonucci, then yeah, he's, he just he doesn't look as good, but when he plays with defenders who are not at that level, then it might look better. I know it might be the case. That's where my brain is taking. Yeah. Now, Dells raises another question. So does Gatti warrant a spot in a Juve squad? Absolutely, because he's an investment. He's uh, looked to the future. So Gat Rugani was a project. Rugani was one that took how long to develop? And uh, like into what he is now, he's we're talking about a guy that's been with Juve for how many years and now finding reliability and whatnot. So to say just because now at this point, after all these years, and it's like I said, debatable, it's debatable. Some might say Gatti's already, they feel more comfortable with him than Rugani. I don't think that's the be-all and end-all to judge if Gatti should be and warrant a spot at Juve, especially not right now with our centre-backs and whatnot. Like, he's a promising centre-back. He's 24 years old and people act like that's like he's towards the end of his career and he's an old man. Like, 24 is young. God damn it, I hope so, uh, based yeah. on height. But, uh, yeah, I think he warrants a spot for sure because he's he's got to be um, groomed and whatnot and uh, turned into one. It's, it's a source of pride for Juventus to turn these defenders and uh, you know, into these uh, big guys. Hopefully we can do that with Gatti, but he warrants a spot for me for sure. Omar. Yeah. Let, yeah. Let's not forget that uh, both the lift and Demerol had a tough time as well. And they were hyped and bought for uh, ludicrous prices. So just goes to show what I've said before, it's experience. He's more experienced now than he was when we were banking on him to be uh, first CB or first team player. 
And you know, maybe the way that he plays, he doesn't play too many games, so it's hard to pinpoint mistakes. And if he played more, then he'll have more mistakes. But that's true to everyone. You know, Danilo does mistakes because he plays all the time. Can't be perfect all the time. Yeah. Gadi should definitely stay. Dude, uh, Omar, you're all your little lines and all your. Little... <laughs> <laughs> oh man, they're they're that's great. Uh, the Rugani uh, comparison to. Uh... Back to the bar. With uh, <laughs> the not so good looking ones to make us look better. That is that is gold. That is gold. Now, oh man. So, who in our current midfield trio? We're gonna wrap things up on this midfield uh, because this is gonna be a big one. Who in our current midfield trio do you think Pogba will replace when he comes back? Fajoli or Rabio? I think you're muted, Omar. I don't think it will be either because I think we have millions of games. Uh, we'll barely see the same lineup played. I think it's just going to be a rotation between everyone. I don't think it pushes anyone out, to be honest. And it, it will take time to get back. Look, like uh, Chiesa, he take a three, four games until he's able to even start a match. So we'll probably see cameos from the bench more often than not. Um, but let's wait. I think he's gonna replace Fajoli. Knowing Max, that's probably the direction. Yeah, and I think, uh, and I think that's what it's gonna be. I think uh, because just knowing Max and whatnot, I bet you it's gonna be Fajoli. Fajoli should not have been subbed for McKenney and he needed to start in that Napoli game and moving forward, he needs a, uh, a strong, uh, this is a tough one too. He, 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 he's right there, but Rabio serves a purpose too. But how would everybody feel about a midfield trio of Pogba, Locatelli and uh, Fajoli? It's different, but it can be doable. It can be doable because instead of having, you know, two defensive workers and like Rabio and Locatelli whatnot, and sometimes they pivot up and you push through another one that you get your offense from instead it changes and you become one center uh, defensive midfielder and you have two that can either offer you uh, that creativity and that vision from both sides. It could definitely work. Um, for me, I think we try it. I think we try. Like, why not? Let's see Pogba, Locatelli, and uh, Fajoli. Uh, Real Madrid did it forever with Casemiro being their defensive midfielder, and they were able to create an attack on both flanks through um, Cruz and Modric. I'm not in no way putting Cruz and Modric with, obviously, uh, Pogba, Fajoli, and whatnot, but I'm saying that setup can work, and you can take a physical player out like rabio but allegri likes those types of guys that work and have energy and fitness that can put in those shifts he likes that but i think we should see pogba locatelli fajoli yeah and you know thinking about it going forward rabio is out like this could be our midfield for next season so if max is staying why not integrate the three of them more to start building that 
and start having them work together. Because um, Rabio just he's gone. I, I mean, he's doing good, I guess. Not great, but he's not here next season. So yeah. why bank on him? Yeah, we've got uh, last one, last one. If Fajoli keeps performing like this, and again, it'll surely attract big clubs in Europe to snatch him. If an offer of forty million comes in, do you think Juve will sell or keep him? I would hope that they keep him. Yeah, I want I forty million, definitely, definitely, and I don't think he'll want to leave that easily either. Like he's. A Juve fan from birth, his family is like reached his peak, and now he wants to prove himself. And you can definitely see it in the way he plays, especially yeah. when he scores goals. He's not going. He's not going to be someone who leaves easily. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I I can't see it uh, happening. Not for forty million and whatnot. And uh, it there's there's a lot going on there too. If we remember the story in the summer and whatnot, and how he pushed and Fajoli pushed for some type of promise for minutes and game time, and whatnot, and wanted to stay here and didn't want to go out and whatnot. There, there's a lot there, and there's a lot of substance to this story. So. I don't necessarily know that Fajoli wants to take off and and just go away. I think he wants to make it work and he wants to stay there and he showed that uh, that willingness. So I would and when, very much and hope he finally uh, accept the offer. And I would like to think that Fajoli wouldn't want to go either. And when you finally have someone you didn't need to spend money on and is a good player, then why why sell him? So we sell him and we have to buy someone else who probably cost more or will be young and a gamble just no point in selling him definitely not at this point maybe in a few years when the yeah. offer grows to 100 million we can talk yeah. about it yeah everybody seems to be on the same page as far as keeping him so there you have it on that note uh forza juve forza fagioli who put in a fantastic shift and uh yeah it's uh i'm looking forward to uh what fagioli can do and i mean if I look forward to next season, I stand by what we said on this podcast today, and that's uh, I think Moretti should go on a loan, and we should uh, be bringing Rovella back next season. But uh, Rovella, Fagioli, Locatelli, um, Pogba, if we can keep him healthy and manage his minutes and whatnot, it's not so bad in the middle of the pitch. We've got work to do in the summer everywhere else, though, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, obviously, as always, Thank you to the live chat. You guys are amazing. Um, if you didn't, didn't get to some, don't worry. You'll get a lot of opportunities. Friday, reminder, everybody, Romeo Agresti live. Okay. Hope to see you all there. You guys like the video. Everybody that's new here, subscribe to the channel. If you're a Juve diehard, this is the channel for you. Okay. So make no mistake about it. Smash that subscribe button. Friday, we look forward to uh, Romeo Agresti. It's going to be a big, big show. Okay. Do not uh, forget, and uh, hey, we're going to put the post out uh, at some point today. Start sharing that, and let's uh, show Romeo uh, some love and why the AJC Army is the best, okay? You guys, have a great week and whatnot. I'll keep you updated on the daily update videos, and then we'll be back on Sunday for Monza, and we are going to have the match day live, and I will be doing another live watch-along, all right? As always, no matter what, Forza Juve, Fino alla fine. Ciao and thank you, Omar. Great show.